Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. It is Palm Sunday and uh, it's Holy Week. I cannot believe how many this, this year is just already, it's absolutely flying by. And it's, it's exciting, but I feel like it's, uh, is that your hair clip, Mikey? Did you lose it there, buddy? You can grab it if you need to. There you go. Um, Mikey lost his hair clip. But uh, it, it's just crazy how fast time is flying. I have this overall feeling towards Holy Week and Easter as a Christian and a believer. And listen, if you're not a, a Jesus follower, it's totally okay. This is a place where, uh, I mean, I, I think part of it is, is just the, the recent headlines in the news uh, it hits close to home, right, seeing someone go into a Christian school and, and shoot up a Christian school where things are, are seemingly targeted, right, towards, and I, don't, I haven't heard or seen the investigation, but it sure appears, right, from face value um, that things are targeted towards a church and towards a religious group of people. Um, and, and so there's a feeling of belonging within a Christian community, um, but if that's not you and you don't belong to that, you haven't declared your loyalty to Jesus or a specific faith, uh, that's okay. Like, you're welcome here. Every person on the face of the planet is welcome here, is welcome to log on and watch. Um, let, let's take this moment because those fans are, are moving pretty fast. How many are cold? How many are just right? Okay, fans are good. Everything's good. Um, but... Uh, you know, everybody's welcome here. We want this to be a place where everybody comes and everybody's able to worship. Um, but it's also a place that um, you can't just come in and hurt people either. You know, like that's, I think that there's a, there's a line there. And I, and, and I think that as an overall whole, uh, I think if you're involved in our church community, uh, you know, of course we have a security team. Um, but I think you all know that you are safe here. And, and we have made and taken precautions uh, for everyone that comes and worships here to be safe and protected. Um, you know, th this isn't the church to do that sort of thing in. Um, it wouldn't last long, I'll say that. <laughs> you would not make it far. Uh, you'd probably get shot from the pulpit, <laughs> just, just so you know. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it is, it's just been a tough week. And, and then you see that it's like, it was the pastor's daughter that gets shot. Not that it's any, you know what I mean? It's horrible for any person, but like for me, it's just like that hits home. Um, that there's a real force of evil in our world. How many know that? Like a real force of evil. And uh, I, I hate the media. I hate politics. You know what I'm saying? Like that stuff is just garbage. If you enjoy listening to the news every day, there's, just get out. Right, real quick, just get it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't get out. I'm totally, totally joking, but seriously, you should rethink your existence. <laughs> uh, 
it, it's just so evident, right, that, like, everything is being spun. And if you don't see something from someone else's perspective, then you're dead to them. Like, that's not humanity. You know what I mean? Like, we can exist in this room with multiple layers of opinion, multiples of layers of belief, and, and like, we could be okay with each other. You know what I mean? Do, do you agree? No? Okay, all right. I'm, all, I'm alone with that, but I'm going st- to stick by it. No. Uh, but I'll say this, like, if you haven't noticed that there is a, an overwhelming push right, to get people divided and focused on, you know, whether it's bipartisanship or whatever, like, you're living under a rock, and it's, it's a force in this world, and I think for me, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with what I saw, I'm struggling with the, the headline, I'm in a pastor's group, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in several pastor's Facebook groups, but one Facebook group in particular for local pastors, this one pastor posted in there, uh, pastors, can you pray for me? Because every day this week, I've tried to sit down and prepare my message for Sunday, and I just end in sobbing. Just thinking about like what happened to that pastor and the fact that he's trying to get himself together to minister to his people during this horrible time. And I can't help but like put myself there. And I think a lot of pastors are empathetic like that. Um, I, I deal with my trauma differently based on my upbringing. Like real talk, the way I deal with my trauma is, you know, I load all my weapons and clean them all. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm not trying to be whatever, but that's legit how I deal with my trauma. I'm more like, we're going to go to one extra jujitsu session this week and we're going to get that trauma out. You know what I mean? In Jesus name, (laughs) we're going to throw someone. It's just how I handle those things. Um, you know, I'm not the one that's going to be in the corner crippled and crying. And I'm not saying he's wrong in doing so. He's absolutely right. But my point is, is there's a force of darkness and it's moving. And it's after you and it's after your kids. And if you don't see your need for an exodus, you're blind. There, there is a problem that needs to be addressed And we all need a way out of that problem. And I'm not saying run from your problems. I'm saying we need someone bigger than us to make a way for us so that we can get out. Your sin, maybe you've realized it. Maybe you've been in a a marriage relationship long enough that you realize that it's not easy to stay married and have a successful marriage. It takes work. It takes effort. And, and maybe, maybe you've been, let's put those fans, if you can, let's put those fans to one, the setting of one. I'm seeing enough people, like, <laughs> you start chattering. The blankets start coming out. Everybody's, like, quietly coming up to Miss Kim. Can you knit me a blanket real quick? I mean, she's cranking out blankets and making them real fast. <laughs> Just kidding. But... Really, she's just getting business right here. You know, the lady, the knit lady, I mean, I I made a deal, right? And she paid me $200 to make it really cold in here so the people come to her. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a racket. They're on to us, Miss Kim. (laughs) Make sure you tithe. That's right. 
Oh, goodness. Where am I going with this? I have no idea. None. No, I'm kidding. What I love about this story and what we've decided to do, oh, man, it's 1146. I better start preaching soon. (laughs) What we've decided to do is continue in this Exodus passage for Holy Week and for Resurrection Sunday next week for Easter. And I think this is going to make sense to you. But once again, this week is very much so laying the groundwork. And if you see it, once you see it, you can't unsee it. This is the foundation and the framework for the gospel. If, if you see the position that the Israelites are in, and you understand that they're oppressed, that they're in exile, and the Lord is going to have and lead them out of Egypt with a mass exodus, we can find, and I know that the series has been oscillating a little bit. Sometimes we find ourselves tracking as an Israelite, and sometimes we find ourselves tracking as Pharaoh. Sometimes we're in the position of Pharaoh, and we have the hard heart, and you better recognize. You better straighten up and get hip to the fact that nothing you do can counteract the greatness and the mighty power of God. And so, you know, yeah, check yourself. But as the story continues, what we're going to really see is we are the children of Israel. And the church is an extension of that. And what the Lord is using Moses to do for the children of Israel, he wants Jesus to do for you. He he wants to have you experience an exodus. And so we're going to see that. Now, last week we we dealt with the plagues for the most part. And I'm really pushing this non-naturalistic perspective. In other words, some people view the 10 plagues of Egypt as one happens, and then because that one type of plague happened, the next one happened, and so on and so forth. It's a chain reaction, and it can be explained scientifically. I I want you to avoid that thinking. I think that we really laid the groundwork last week and showed that the plagues are a direct attack on the gods of Egypt. The plagues are specific, calculated, and, and they are uh, literal dismantling. Like they're dismantling the gods of Egypt and the power that they have. I think also where we're going to land today, hopefully, time permitting, um, on the killing of the firstborn will enlighten you to how God works and how just God is, but how just he is in doing so. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's jump in. Exodus chapter 10, 1 through 4. You listen fast, I'll talk fast. Exodus chapter 10, 1 through 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I may do these miraculous signs of mine among them, and so that you may tell your son and your grandson how severely I dealt with the Egyptians and performed miraculous signs among them, and you will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and told him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may worship me. But if you refuse to let my people go, then tomorrow I will bring locust into your territory. Um, one thing I want you to see is a biblical worldview, not the way I was raised or came up, but a way that I'm definitely seeing this from Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 82, 
Genesis 11 narrative, like there are demonic forces and powers in this world that are working. And as much as we would like to take claim for everything being because of our sin nature, there's more at play than just that. The world is not just wrecked because of your sin nature, and that's how I grew up. Everything is the way that it is. Sin explains everything, almost but not really. Sin does explain a lot of things. We are sinners. We do wrong. Can you track with that? Yes or no? Got to follow. I'm talking fast. You're listening fast. You're ready. Here we go. Come on. How many can track with the fact that you do wrong? Some of y'all just don't want to admit it, and we're going to stay right here until everybody, no, I'm kidding. Like, we're, we're sinners. We do bad things, right? And that does account for a lot of bad things happening in the world. But one thing that maybe I haven't always accounted for is the fact that there is an enemy. There is a unseen God and force, God's force. Uh, the term in the Hebrew Bible would be Elohim right? So there are other gods. And some are like that are raised in, in like maybe an independent Baptist church to be like, well, what? No, there's only one God. In the Bible and the narrative that the Bible is, is showing us, there is one supreme being. There's one being or God that is above, watch this, all the other gods. So to say that there's only one God, uh, it's a misstep according to scripture. And so clearly there are forces. Paul put it this way. There's principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of what? This world. So, so there are other forces. And, and when we reconcile that, when we think about it, and we see the evil, horrible things happening in this world, not, we can't always just say that's a bad person. Right? Because we know that's somewhat hypocritical because we have bad thoughts too. And I'm not excusing bad thoughts. I'm not excusing, I, I'm not going to tell you that, hey, it's okay to have a thought, just don't act on it. That's dumb, right? It, it's bad. Why? Because what you think about, eventually you're going to what? Say, and eventually after you say it, you're going to what? You're going to probably do it. That's how it works. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's a flow of sin. But, but my point is we all have to come to grips with the fact that it's not just bad people. It's bad entities, it's demonic forces. And, and if you're like, really, that stuff exists? Trust me. Like when we talk about like pastors, like the Catholic Church has been casting out demons for a long time. Like a long time they've been doing that. They have like supernatural ministry, not just them, but they've probably been doing it the longest. And the, the point is, is like once you see like demon possession, once you see wicked, horrible, evil things happening in this world, it's like you can't unsee it. And, and what I'm trying to get you to see is this story isn't about God and Pharaoh. This story is about God and Pharaoh's gods. And Pharaoh is the pawn in the middle. Until we recognize that you are the middle ground. You are what the forces of darkness are fighting for. God made you, handcrafted you in his image. We are an image bearer. We are not of an angelic order. We're humans. We're different. We make decisions. We can declare our loyalty. We can declare our love. That's what makes like, okay, we, uh, we sat down on the couch finally the other night, right? And we we're like, we we're going to watch a movie. All the kids were in bed. The dogs were on the couch. We're like, it's quiet. This never happens. And and Sarah's like, let's watch a movie. I'm like, yes. So we watch a movie, right? And what does she pick? Anybody have a guess? 
No. <laughs> That's a good, good guess, though. The proposal. Who loves the proposal? Everybody's like, oh, yes, oh, yes. Yes, I love that. <laughs> you know, this like emotional rom-con, right? And then my wife got out and gave me a pedicure or whatever that was. Just kidding, my wife. If she, my wife looks at my feet once again, she's going to go blind. I'm telling you. Marlon, you got beautiful feet. I saw that post. God bless you, Miss Tony. <laughs> she's like, no, they ain't. <laughs> the aftermath, you did wonders on them things. She would. The hard hat part was funny. I thought, she need a grinder to these things. I show up at the jujitsu mat, and they look down at my feet, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> they walk in. They walk in. I have no idea where I was going with that. Okay, I got it. I got it. The point is, is we sit down, and we watch this movie, and it's like, it's very emotional. We, we are emotional beings. We have... We have feelings that go beneath the surface. We think about love. We think about a connection that we have. Like, as much as people try to, like, science the heck out of us and say that we evolved to this place and this position, they're missing the morality piece. They're missing the feeling piece. They're missing the fact that I watch my children from day one start teasing out those feelings that are within them, and I start, we start what? Instructing them. Why? Because they're emotional creatures. Human beings are different. And, and my point on this is there are other entities that are not image bearers of God who are warring against God. And they know that God loves us. And they know that God would do anything for us. And because of that, they come to our front doorstep and they try to lure you from God. And here's what we have. We have an Egypt. And the Old Testament story, I don't have a whole lot of time, right, to, to tease this out completely. But we know that God chose a specific group of people to bring about Jesus, to bring about the Savior of the world. And he did it through the Israelites, that one chosen group. And the Bible says that he disinherited all the other nations. So in other words, the Israelites knew. They were under the impression that Egypt had its gods, and, and the people of God, the children of Israel, their god was who? Yahweh. That's just how it is. And so finally, when, when God had had enough and his people were oppressed and they were in Egypt, and he says, look, you're going to let my people go and worship me. We saw last week that the plagues that started to fall on Egypt, go back and listen to it if you didn't, were direct attacks on the gods of Egypt, specifically Kenum and Heket, the frogs and all of that. Well, today, the Bible says that uh, what we're dealing with here in chapter 10 and 11, that God causes locusts to come. Look at verse 15 in Exodus. Verse 15 says this, they covered the surface of the whole land so that the land was black. The next plague after the locusts, the Bible says that God caused a complete darkness to fall upon the land of Egypt for three days. Any, any other People that went into darkness, maybe the grave for three days, and then something happened after that. There, there's, a, there's an intimate connection here between the gospel and the story. And so let me, let me just give you the, the quick Reader's Digest version. If you want more, it's in my notes. You can read it this week. But here's, here's what it is. Kanum, the one who fashions humans on, on the potter's wheel, and his goddess wife, Haket, with the frog head, they're in charge in Egypt of basically giving human life. 
The other set of gods in Egypt we say are Ra, the sun god. Ra, the sun god, is the one, the being. They looked at the sun as a manifestation of Ra. And every day when the sun rose in the east, it was a sign that Ra would then give life to everything around him. That sun would allow plants to grow, we know, right? That sun would warm everything up. Everybody would then go about their business and live their lives. Why? Because Ra rose up. Remember, they pictured the water, the chaotic waters, as death, which is what baptism symbolizes. This started here, which is going to be really important for us when we make it to Easter Sunday and we're talking about the parting of the Red Sea. The waters, the chaotic waters, that is death. That is a picture of death. So as the sun rose up, it is a resurrection picture. Egyptians, when they see the sun come up in the east, what they're seeing is resurrection. They're saying, my God, Ra, has power over death. What did Paul say about Jesus? He said, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we are all men most what? Miserable. If your God doesn't have power over death, you don't have a God. You have nothing that can help your succession in eternity. What did Egypt do better than anybody? They did death. They did funerals, embalming, mummification. This is what they were known for. Pharaoh prepared just as much, if not more, in the afterlife as he did in his life. Their picture of death was conquered by their god Ra in his rising Every day. That's what the Egyptians thought. They saw a frog. They thought fertility. They see the sun and they see light. They think our God has us in life and in death. God has already dismantled the other gods. And in the last one, what I saw in verse 15, it says, the locust literally made the land dark. If they use, if light is used for everything to grow, if light is used to take in and see the very essence of life that their God gave them, their crops, right? what they were growing, what they had. First, God darkens the land with locusts to eat everything, to literally kill every plant, to kill their crops, to kill all their vegetation. It was really, the way I see locusts is a precursor to the darkness. And then the darkness of three days is the final nail in the coffin for their God. The Lord says, Moses, tell him darkness is coming. What does this mean? Look, not only did every Egyptian go, I literally, remember, ma'at is the divine order. To an Egyptian, ma'at was the balance of life. And Pharaoh, watch this, Pharaoh is the son of Horus, the son of the sun god Ra. Pharaoh stands in the position because Ra is giving him power. Pharaoh says, look, look, I, I get it, the frogs came. I get it, the lo- I get it, the lice, right? I get it, the fact that we can't worship our God, but I'm still telling you, as the hail stopped, we're not letting them go. And God says, oh, you're going to let them go? You, you still, wait, wait, we still have our main God. The fact that I'm Pharaoh and I'm here in my position shows that divine order is still here, and I receive my power from Ra, the sun God. And Moses strikes the land with darkness, and it's pitch black for three days. Every Egyptian in town would have been like, oh, no. 
the source of power for the Pharaoh was just defeated by Yahweh. Every morning that the sun comes up, it means that Ra defeated death and came and is breathing new life into our land. And that first day, guess what? He didn't come up. Every day he comes up. Pharaoh, what now? Then the second day. Then the third day. What does it show? What does it picture? The picture of the gospel, it shows that their gods were not able to defeat death. Then, what's the last plague? Does anybody know? Huh? The firstborn, right? The firstborn is killed. Let's find it. Verse number, I'm skipping ahead. Chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Chapter 11. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbors for silver and gold items. If you've been walking with me through this series, you remember that that's a precursor from Abraham. When Abraham first plundered Egypt, all connects. Moving on, I want to take more time, but I don't have it. Let's keep going. The Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. I wonder why. If you're an Egyptian and an Israelite walked up to you and said, give me your gold, everything that that Israelite asks for, you're going to give them. Why? Because their God just kicked your God's rear. Do you understand? It was dark three days in a row. You know what the Bible also says? In Goshen, where the Israelites were camping, guess what? There was light there. If you go back, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but it was light where the Israelites were camping. It was dark in Egypt. Keep going, keep going. The Lord gave the people favor with the Egyptians. In addition, Moses himself was very, very highly regarded in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. The Lord said he's going to go through. And every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn of the servant girl who is at the grindstones, as well as every firstborn of the livestock, then there will be a great cry of anguish throughout all the land of Egypt, such as never was before or ever will be again. There's more on this in here from Dr. Heiser in the Naked Bible podcast, but I'll give you the, the brief synopsis. This is the final straw, the final showdown. Stay with me. Pharaoh's position in Egypt was that of a god, the son of Ra, the sun god, and Horus. We find this, we find this perspective, right? that Pharaoh is charged with the task of keeping ma'at. To the Egyptians, that is the divine order and the balance. Here's what ma'at meant. A unified, consistent, without break in succession. Pharaoh would always hold that position, and he would always be charged with the responsibility of holding things in ma'at or holding things in balance. In this ancient Near East culture, if I say to you, hey, when, when you die, do you want to live on and go to heaven? What would you say? Yeah, sure. I want to die and I, I want to live on. 
they would say yes too. But their perspective was not about their spirit. They all believed that they went to the realm of the dead. They all believed that there was a holding tank for those and that their soul lived on. Every one of them believed that, and that's, that's accurate. But when you say, do you want to live on? Do you want to have eternal life? Here's how the ancient Near East folks were thinking about it. They were thinking about it in terms of succession. Them living on was them having a son that would carry on their family what? Their name. Succession was everything. Their inheritance is their firstborn. Ma'at, divine order, the fact that things are working and moving all hinged on the fact that there was to be no break in succession. And Pharaoh, within his tomb, within his afterlife, there was a seamless ceremonial handing of the torch from him to his firstborn. So look, this is completely connected with darkness. Not only does God Yahweh have power over your God Ra in, in, in really in the most implicit terms where, where literally your God rising in the east and a new day is dawning, that is him defeating death. And Yahweh said, no, 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 you're not going to rise. It will be dark three days. And Pharaoh is there going, I'm literally getting my power from him, from the sun that comes up, and my people are literally seeing me placed in this position where I'm vulnerable. I'm completely vulnerable. I have no leg, physical leg to stand on if there's no light in Egypt. The last nail in the proverbial coffin, pun intended, would be as if his firstborn, his succession would be what? Broken. So when the firstborn is killed in the land of Egypt, it's literally God saying, your eternity, your afterlife, your ability to live on is not up to your God. It's up to who? Me. That's the whole point. We are literally left with the same question today. Church, your existence the power that you will have or not have over death is up to God. Do you understand the, the implications of this story? You are faced with life and death, with success. I can't believe God killed the firstborn. You're missing the point of the story You're entirely. And if, and if you break it down to the fact that this is what Passover, do you understand people still have Passover today? Why do they still have Passover? Because it is celebrated, the fact that God, Yahweh, the death angel, the angel of Yahweh, the book of Psalms says this, Psalm 78, 48. Are you, are you with me, church? It's a lot. I know it's a lot. Stay with me. Psalm 78, verse 48. He handed over their livestock to hail and their cattle to lightning bolts. He sent his burning anger, God, against them. Fury, indignation, and calamity, a band of deadly messengers. He cleared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but delivered their lives to the plague. He struck all the firstborn in Egypt the first progeny of the tents of Ham. The, here is what the Bible is explicitly saying. If you choose to take control over your succession, over your afterlife, over your existence, it will end very badly. 
If, if it is in your hands as a human being, an image bearer of God, you will not continue. God is showing that and declaring that over. That's a really mean God. That's, an, that's a bad, bad God. Right? And that's what the average person that's not studying scripture maybe would say. Like, I can't believe God would do that. That's not where the story ends. Do you know we celebrate Passover today, not just in Jewish tradition, but in the church? How do we celebrate that? We did it last week. Does anybody know? What's it called? The Lord's Supper. You see, look, do not miss Good Friday night, okay? Do not miss worship, worship night on Good Friday this year. We're literally going to put out a Passover dinner, and we're going to explain it from this passage. You're going to see it. But here, here, here's what I'm saying to you this morning. You're getting the touch of it, right? The, ba- the basic aspect of it is this. Moses was instructed to tell the children of Israel, you find a spotless lamb. And you kill that lamb in place of your firstborn. The lamb dying, you take the blood of the lamb and you put it on your doorposts, Right? And when Yahweh comes through the death angel, when the destruction, destructive Yahweh comes through, the mighty warrior, the just Yahweh, claiming what rightfully is his, when he comes through and he sees the blood applied to your doorpost, he will pass over your house and your firstborn will live. From the beginning of this story, I'm telling you, if Egypt would have, if Pharaoh would have just what? Obeyed. God wasn't asking Pharaoh to worship him. That's a misnomer. God just asked Pharaoh to what? Obey, let my people go. And Egypt would have been what? Egypt would have been what? Fine, spared, everything would have been good. No more plagues. My concern, Yahweh said, is my people and they should be allowed to worship me. Because I'm their God, it's who I am. The separation that they're experiencing, the exile that they're experiencing are because of the forces of darkness and, yes, their own sin. If Pharaoh, I believe this with all my heart, if Pharaoh would have killed a spotless lamb and applied the blood on his doorpost, would his firstborn would have lived? Yes or no? Absolutely. Did they, as Egyptians, sacrifice things to their gods? Yes or no? Yes. It's his insubordinance, unrepentance, his hard heart that says, nope, it's me and my God versus Yahweh. Anytime you flex against God, bad things are going to happen. Because God's a big meaning, meanie? No, he's not a big meanie. Because of the reality, listen to me, look right here because of the reality of evil in this world. The Lord is on a rampage to right the wrongs. Church, right here. The Lord is on a rampage to eradicate evil from our world. Jesus didn't come and die just for the sake of coming and dying. He had a purpose. (laughs) Oh man, I'm about to get happy. Let me explain something to you. During the plague, the sun goes down and it didn't come back for three days. You understand? 
understand what I'm saying? Egypt, when faced with death, Egypt, when faced with the decision and they choose to do it their way, their God stays in the grave. But let me tell you about Jesus. How do we know? How do we know that this actually is the way that it is? Because 2,000 years ago, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came and he walked on this earth and he lived a sinless life. And when he went in the th- in, into the grave three days and experienced darkness for three days, he didn't stay there. He came up out of that grave. And what does that mean? It means that he's got power over death. He's got power over the grave. And no matter who, if you are in the position where you say, I declare my loyalty to him, what you're doing is you're taking the blood from the spotless lamb of God and you're painting it on your doorpost. And what happens? And what happens? What happens is, is when the death angel passes over you, you're saved. Why? Because you're believing and trusting. Every Egyptian, every Egyptian would have been like, Pharaoh is wrong. I'm giving favor to the Israelites. Why? Because he put them, he put their gods on notice. And he made an open show of them. Mm, 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 mm. Here's the last hinge pin for me about how good our God is. Listen to me, church. Don't miss this. We don't serve, man, this is so good. We don't serve a God that goes around killing babies and killing firstborns because he wants to do it. We serve a God that made a way by putting himself to death. Every other God on the face of the planet demands something from you. In exchange for their favor, Study it, every religion. In exchange for your favor and your allegiance, this is what they'll do for you. Our God came through, look, look, look at me, church. Like, the first Passover is literally a showing that some, someone, something, this lamb that is absolutely innocent is put to death so that others can go free. What is that? That's, a, that's why I have this tattoo on my arm. It's a complete picture that Jesus was 100% innocent and he laid down his life for you and for me so that you can what? Go free. Don't miss this. John chapter one, verse 29. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What about what did Paul have to say about it? 1 Corinthians 5, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Can you get any more specific about that? Uh-uh. Come, come on now. Church, can you get any more specific than Jesus, our Passover lamb? Paul spells it out. Paul goes, hey, guys, um... This tradition of our Passover meal where we eat of the lamb, where we celebrate the fact that our ancestors got out of Egypt because of the lamb and the blood of the lamb, I am explicitly telling you that what I'm seeing in the scriptures is that Jesus is that lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. And the fact that we went to the grave and he had busted out, he came and he, do you understand, eyewitnesses that saw him 
It, it was a miracle. It was supernatural. Why is it supernatural? Because the devil, the enemy, the forces of darkness and evil, they want you. They desire you. If they can give you three hots and a kai and a job and a family and, a, and an America that you can just find and be comfortable in a retirement where you've got what you need, the gods of this world have provided for you, and you don't need to apply the blood to your lamp to your doorposts. You don't need it. You got everything that you need. If that's you, when you encounter death, you're the death angels. Justice will be served for the wrong that you have done and for your allegiance to the enemy. You say, well, I don't declare my allegiance to the, I don't declare my allegiance to the devil or to the enemy. I just don't declare my allegiance to anybody. You're declaring it. You are. Why? Because here's what Jesus is saying. Look, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just asking you to accept and acknowledge that what I did for you was for you and that you want it. Why is that? Because you're made in the image of God and the Lord gave you the power to make a decision. Do you understand that? Everything you do every day is a decision. You wake up tomorrow and you decide what you're going to do for the day. No, oh, my boss makes up my mind for me, shoo. <laughs> I get it, but at the end of the day, you have a choice. This story is, it's incredible. It's completely connected to the gospel. One people perish in the watery death, and we'll get there next week. One people walk through on dry ground. Who has your loyalty? Is it Jesus? I, I can't get behind I can't get behind the kids dying. That's why he killed himself. That's why he laid down his life so that you may live. Every injustice in this world is because of sin and the forces of evil. How every injustice in this world is set right, it's one name, Jesus. That's it. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.